Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago, fresh off a huge win over a tough, resilient Orlando Magic team. Everything is sunny once again in Chicago. What say you to my co-pilot, the podfather, the great one, Doug Tonus? How you doing, brother? Everything is sunny. That's what you're going with. That's, that's, that's what I, I mean, like that—that's what we're going with. I mean, like they did just lose the two pretty bad teams. Uh, uh yes, I, I agree. So I was trying to be, <laughs> but that was in the past, Doug. I'm living in the now. We did just beat the Orlando Magic. We beat one of the other really bad teams. So I guess I guess that's good. You know, it's it's kind of funny. I was looking back at this. I don't know if you saw the, the tweet by the official NBA refs union or whatever it is that apologized and is gut-wrenched over the bad missed call on LeBron James that cost the Lakers a game. And I'm like, I don't know. I you cost the Bulls three games. Where's our tweet? We didn't get a tweet. Yeah, exactly. like, like, come on. Like, like one foul on LeBron? Like, like LeBron hasn't gotten enough love in his life? Like he literally cost the Bulls three games with, with calls that, you know, were made in the final seconds. So... And there's no there's no games where calls in the final seconds went in the Bulls' favor that shifted the game. So really, if you just look at the last two minute report, you know, the Bulls lost three more games than they, they probably should have. And if you think about that, the Bulls would be 26 and 23, which wouldn't be like amazing, but it'd be good for eighth. And you know, you'd be um, just a, a, a shot a shot away from from sixth. So you know, it's really kind of disappointing. And you know, the luck just. Sometimes it goes against you. Sometimes it goes for you. I'm not actually like mad at the refs for missing calls or doing the best. It's hard being a ref. Just thought it was really crazy that like LeBron kept this special tweet out of that. Like, come on, this is so ridiculous. Anyway, on to the Bulls. Yeah, it's great that they beat the Magic. Uh, Vucevic finally outplayed Wendell Carter. Like sixth time is the charm. Um, so that that's good to see. And you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're just kind of like floating around in this. 9, 10, 11 type range, and you know, hopefully they can get enough momentum to move up to 6, 7, but I think it's going to be tough to get past. I mean, you could easily see them getting past the Hawks and getting to 8, right? Like, I don't think that's a really big stretch. It's not so hard, maybe, if I squint real hard to see them catching up to the Knicks. You know, it's, I think it's going to be tough to catch the Manny Heat who are in 6th. So I think they're going to be in the well, seven. They just lost to Charlotte, though. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're, they're only seven and three in their last ten games. So um, I can see why you'd be excited. But I, but they're on a one game losing. They are on a one game losing streak. The Bulls are on a one game winning streak. If we project these forward, we'll beat them handily by the end of the year. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> this is the kind of analysis. You <laughs> this is this is the deep that. analysis. Uh, <laughs> High end stuff. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's going to be tough to. You're basically five games back in the win column against the Heat. I think it's going to be tough to. To break that by the end of the year, so you know. But if you get up to seven or eight, and you win the play-in, and you get to the playoffs, I think that's probably what you hope for at this point. I, I mean, I can't see the Bulls doing what I've suggested they do for a long time, which is you know something significant in changing their shape and and, and not trying to continue down this win-now path. But I mean, I think that's really all the talk up to the trade deadline now, right? It's just what are they going to do? Are they going to stay put? Are they going to try to add talent, or are they going to try and blow it up? Well, I don't think there's. I think the chances of them moving any one of the big three are 
probably about somewhere between one and five percent. Would you would you agree with that that number? It's hard. It's hard for me to say. I mean, I can, I can see them moving Vucevic only because if they view this year correctly, like I have to at some point think that they're not completely delusional. You know, they, they really have to decide. I would indicate that. <laughs> they really have to decide: Are they going to keep Vucevic going forward? And they can they can still sign him to an extension right now. And so I, I feel like you either have to come to terms with him in a, with an extension before the deadline and say, yeah, we're going to keep this guy moving forward, or you really should just move on and, and get something back for him. I mean, as much as I just said, like the best we can hope for is probably seventh place and a first round exit. Like, I mean, I don't think if if you ended up being tenth instead of seventh because you traded Vucevic, I think that's fine. You know, given where they are this year, like, are we that excited about seventh and a first round exit versus a play in loss? I mean, I certainly don't think we should be, you know, if you're going to get something for Gooch, but it does depend on the market, you know, like, what's out there? Is there anything good? Would anyone give up something good for Gooch? You know, so many of the teams trying to win just don't have a lot of assets to trade. And, and Gooch is a pretty unique player that's not going to fit in with all teams either. So it might be harder to find something, but I think that's the one move that could happen. If you move on the big three, that's the one I think that's going to move. I guess I'll just leave it at that. I, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You think they'd move someone else? For, yeah, yes, I do. Okay. I think, I think if, if any one of the big three are going to be moved, I think it's clear who would it be. It would be Zach Levine since he's the one guy they didn't really acquire outside of Kobe White. If you look at any of the news that's out there right now, the, the big news, and we should probably talk about this, let's first address this one. Uh, a tweet from Will Gottlieb, I think it was uh, yesterday. The Bulls and Suns have had conversations about a deal involving Kobe White for Jay Crowder in recent weeks, but no real traction is thought to be present. Well, let's just look at that. Well, what does that tell you? They're not moving any one of the big three. I think the odds of them moving the big three are, are pretty much zero, close to as, as zero as you possibly can. But Kobe White would represent the last vestige of the Garpacks era, which they've completely divested themselves from. And so to me, if they make that move, it's clear they're trying to get better with the current iteration of the team. And they think minor tweaks are necessary to do that, uh, along with the hope that somehow Lonzo Ball can have a miraculous recovery. So I'm, I'm not even contemplating the thought that they would move. I, I, there's no way they'd move Vucevic to me, simply because of the amount of assets they set uh, sent to Orlando in order to get him. I mean, you're not going to get a lot in return for Vooch. And, and, you know, so by trading him, we just seal one of the worst trades in the history of the organization. They're going to move, they're going to probably try to move Kobe for Jay. And I will say, I think that would be an excellent move. Jay Crowder added to this team would be huge. He'd be a huge presence on those nights where P. Will is absent or not making an impression on the court, which fortunately has been. A lot less often lately. I think he's played pretty well lately uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, Patrick Williams, he's especially in the last game against Orlando, was one of his best games he's had as a bull. Uh, so I, I think it's likely that's the type of move they'll make. And Kobe for Crowder, I know a lot of people don't think it's a good one. I, I think if, you're, if your goal is to maximize wins this year, I think that's a good move because I think he would help immensely uh, on the defensive side. Overall, and more importantly, just bring in a needed toughness this, this team doesn't have. I was looking at videos of Jay Crowder hard fouls the last three years. When was the last time a bull had a hard foul on somebody that really you know, resonated or stuck with you when the other team was just going off? I think you'd be a great addition to the team. What say you? I think you're completely delusional. 
What, what part? The part that they're not going to trade? Uh, the part that Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder just sucks balls, and there's no reason you should want him. He doesn't suck he does. balls. You can't believe he, he looked. He looked – look, the dude looked washed the last time he played. He hasn't played all year. He basically looked said, washed. I'm what not going to – he quit on his team, a team that made like a, a chance of tremendous success because he didn't want to come off the bench. Guy, like, one, to me, looks like a cancer. Two, doesn't look that good. Kobe White is better than Jay Crowder right now. Like, Jay Crowder wouldn't be a backup in, yeah, in Phoenix team, on a team that had a chance to win the title, but he's going to come to Chicago and be a backup to Pat Williams? Get out of here. It's, it's, like, the, it's like the dumbest trade idea I've ever heard. I, I can't well, believe anyone fun. would even consider this. Why do the Bucks and Heat want Jay Crowder? Who cares? Well, Why? Because they're smart, good teams that understand the importance of having a tough, winning-type player. Jay Crowder does stuff that allows you to win. Everywhere he's gone, they've basically won. I don't understand why you're diminishing Jay Crowder. It's, to act like Dougie was washed last year is he's washed. completely ridiculous. He's washed, he was dude. not washed he's last washed. year. He was a he was a key part in the Suns' success. He was a starter on a team that won 60-plus games. He wasn't washed. He was washed. Are you kidding me? He's he was washed. not washed. Listen... If the Bulls make this trade and he comes here, let's remember what we've been arguing about here because it's not going to be along the same lines as some of their other acquisitions. You know, Gorin looking good for a couple of weeks. Jay Crowder will help the team win and he'll significantly improve our likelihood of winning games as the season goes on. He's exactly what you need. A three, uh, not a great three, but a poor man's three and D. That's what he is. That's <laughs> what we want. Except I don't think he's that great at, at defense anymore. And he sure as heck isn't a great shooter. He's an average shooter. He's a 35% three-point shooter over the last few years, right around that range. He's You have to guard him. You don't have to he's guard him. He's not that bad. He is pretty bad. A little, right. He's he's very good defensively. I, I'm not going to say great. He's good defensively. Yeah, just just quit on his team that was about like had a chance to win the championship. Well, quit I, on his I team because he wouldn't come off why. the bench. Screw that guy. What were the reasons why? What were the reasons why it didn't work out in Phoenix? Who knows? I don't know all the details on that. Yeah, he didn't want to come off the bench. That's what was reported. I, I do disagree with a lot of people that are saying, well, he can't start for the Bulls. I mean, he can't play next to P. Will for the Bulls. Absolutely he can. P. Will can play the three. Look, what? Kobe White at least has some potential as a future value to this team. Jay Crowder, an expiring deal, has none. Do you think no value. Jay Crowder to the Bulls yields more wins overall than Kobe White on the Bulls currently? Um, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, that's where we I disagree wholeheartedly. We don't have anybody on those nights where uh, to back up P. Will where P. Will isn't playing well. And I think he immediately would come in and be a, a really solid player. I mean, like, Jay Crowder sucks, like, half the time, too. He's just not – I mean, he's an okay player. But Jay Crowder is not a guy you throw on your team and all of a sudden you win, like, three or four more games. Like, it just isn't. He's not a high-impact player. He's a decent role player. Like, I think he could play a role for the team. But so is Kobe, and, and Kobe actually gives us something we need, which is he can shoot threes in volume instead of just wide open and catch and shoot threes. The mere fact that this trade is being talked about, though, and reported that there have been discussions, what does that indicate to you about the direction of the front office? It indicates to me that the front office is stupid, which is what I've been saying for a long time. Like, hey, let's throw some more things that might be valuable in the future to try and get an expiring contract guy who won't play a role on a team that has a chance to win a title now, like who's not going to have any value to you in, in the future. 
Like, it just, it, it's like a super, I know they don't. That's why I said it enforces to me that they're stupid. Like, they're still, like, they're in 10th place, and they're trying to make, like, margin moves at the cost of future assets to, to get, like, marginally better. Like, oh, great, we get Drake Crowder, now we're 8th place. Like, one, I don't even think that's true, but let's just say it is true. And Jay Carter bumps you from 10th to 8th at a slight cost of the future. It's just like, it's just like that whole theory is just really bad to me. Like, it's just, it's like, it's an unwillingness to recognize where you are. All right, let's take another step back. I want to ask this question because I'm All right, interested let's... in your opinion on it. I understand your, your thoughts on it. Uh, you've made it clear how you feel about the front office. I will admit, I thought the boots trade was a disaster. I thought the getting DeMar DeRozan was one of the best moves in the history of the org. So I, I'm I'm a little bit more positive on the feet front office than obviously you are. And I actually thought the, the previous group did, for the most part, until the end, a pretty good job. On that, we both agree. That said, out of the three big guys, which one's, which one's departure could you see having the least amount of impact on total wins? The way it's going this year, you'd have to say... It's Levine, I think. I, I agree. I mean, like, for this year. That's why, let's, let's you know, the rumored Laker trade that Zach Lowe has been talking about for weeks. The 27th, 29th, first-round picks, number you know, unprotected in 27, some protections in 29, and Westbrook for Zach Levine. It's a junk trade. Well, it's, a if I, if, it's a junk trade. If I'm going to make that trade with the Lakers, I'm getting 27 unprotected, a 28 pick swap that's unprotected and 29 unprotected. That's what you, you want. want. You want you want a young all star in his prime, and and you're, you that's what you're going to give me. Then you're going to give me those three picks all unprotected. Interesting. So you would not do 29 unprotected. I mean, 29 with protections. You want no, 27, no. 29. You want me all three of those unprotected if you want exactly. Now maybe maybe the only thing I'll say about that is if internally the Bulls have soured on Zach Levine. And they're like, internally, they're like, and I've not, I don't feel this way, but internally if the Bulls feel this way, they're like, you know what, this dude is hopeless. He's a mental idiot. He always makes dumb mistakes. Like whatever, all the rhetoric you hear about him, never be good at defense, blah, 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 whatever it is, you know. If they believe all that rhetoric internally and they don't want to move forward with him, then yeah, you take the Lakers deal and get out of his contract and take the picks. Or you take the best deal, like you look for another, you look for whatever the best deal is. But assuming you still like Zach Levine, you just sign him to a max contract, then then yeah, I would demand all three of those picks unprotected. And say, yeah, go find yourself another young all-star. Good luck. I agree. The departure of Zach Levine would probably have the least amount of effect on wins and losses for the following reason. Number one, you'd be getting Russell Westbrook in return who can help you at the point guard position, who plays hard and he can't shoot. I understand all his deficiencies, but overall this year he's been pretty good off the bench. He would help you in the backcourt. But, oh, God, Westbrook and Rosen together? I know, that's minor of the plus. <laughs> that's, that's the hard part. You're gaining, okay, further, sorry. You're gaining further assets, I understand. But I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. he's not a bad player. Like he's ne- Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's, I agree. Over, like, he's overpaid. We all agree on that. He's not a bum. Like, he's a player yeah, he, that you could put in. He would get more than the minimum right now. If he was on the market, he wouldn't be like a minimum player barely hanging out. Like, he'd still get more than the minimum. I, I agree Westbrook is better than his his current reputation, which is built a lot on that contract. 
That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Exactly. So as a player, you're gonna you're gonna get a, a little help there as at the point guard position. Helps with rebounding. Helps with passing. He's he's decent. Secondly, Caruso would then I assume move to the starting position. Who's gonna be a good alternate on defense? You know, he's a he's a step up on defense. I've always felt like he's a guy you could put into the position and. And obviously, he's not anywhere near as good as Zach Levine overall as a player, but he is better on the defensive end. I could just see the Bulls scratching out a few more wins. Not, not They're not going to be as good as they would have with Zach Levine, and they're going to hurt. The biggest loss in his departure would be shooting-wise because he's their best shooter by far for a team that's sorely lacking in that department. But I could see them having less of a drop-off with his departure than – Vooch or especially DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is the one player in his team. If you took him off the team, I really think they'd fall to one of the four or five worst teams in the league. Do you agree with that assessment? I, I think that's probably true. The only thing I'll say, and I mentioned it briefly, is like if you traded DeMar for Westbrook straight up, which you can't because the salaries don't match, you'd have to do Vooch plus DeMar, and that changes things. But like Westbrook and Zach would probably have a lot more natural you know ability to play off each other than Westbrook and DeRozan would not defensively yeah, but, yeah. well I mean, I mean not defensively with either of them like what you think DeMar is any good defensively I mean like I, I actually DeMar. I like I think DeMar is a train wreck defensively I, I would take Zach defensively over over DeMar but but whatever it's it's like you, you know you want to kick in your left shin or a kick in your right shin type of <laughs> like yeah I'm I'm a righty, so I jump off my left leg. Whatever. I mean, it's like, <laughs> like neither of these are great, great options. So, yeah, yeah. And anyway, I, I mean, I think you're 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 probably right though overall. If you're just to lose one of them, Zach is the one that wouldn't impact you the most in the short term. The only question is like, if you're going to start doing that, like, what do you care about the short term? Like, you still got to decide: are you keeping Vooch long term or not? Like, like you can't look at this year like I'm I'm general managing for this year when you're moving the biggest pieces on your team if you're going to start moving those pieces you have to have a plan for like what the next two three four years looks like and so if you move zach you know you you have to either include vooch as someone you're also going to move or you have to decide you're going to keep him and and build around him i think that's the more intriguing thing they have to to figure out what they're doing there so there's another part of the tweet from all right, so I think we spent too much time on this because I, I I don't think it's going to happen. Let's, I think yeah, you're right. I, I think there's nothing's going to happen. They're not going to move one of their big guests. I, I agree with you. I agree. I think it's slightly higher than five percent, but then like ten percent is still really unlikely. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The other the other point that was brought up is about Caruso, who is in high demand uh, based on his contract, his skill level. I mean, he's a great fit for any team, any playoff team that's serious about contending, since he's so good in, uh, as a defender. And Will mentioned the Caruso market is heating up. Uh, and the rumor is that the Bulls are asking a just an insane price for Caruso, two number ones, two first rounders uh, from some of, you know, some of the better teams that are interested in the services. I guess my question to you is, would you trade Caruso for a first rounder? Do you think they should continue to hold out for two? Do you think they'll get I mean, two? It, it, it's all like... People use the term first rounder, like first rounder just means the same thing in any context. And it really doesn't. Like so say you trade Caruso to the Knicks for two first rounders, and those two first rounders are the Dallas pick 
which I figured why they have a Dallas pick. Maybe it's for Przingis still. And then, yeah, it's got to be that. And then, and then like their own pick or something like that. And, and so you're going to end up with like picks, you know, like 18 and, you know, like 20 in the draft this year. Like, is that really that valuable to you? You know, it's like two Dalen Terry's. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily. So, you know, if you traded him for one, but that pick is like number nine, that's tremendously valuable. If you trade him for two and they're like picks 25, and, and maybe actually that one I just said might not be too bad. If you traded him for two and those picks are like 25 and 27, like, yeah, that's not that valuable. That's like one if it's like 14. So I wouldn't get hung up on the number of first-rounders. It really just depends where those are projected to be, you know, that I would care about. But I, I would certainly, again, you know, Caruso, if you trade him, you're definitely hurting this season a lot. Like, Caruso seems to be maybe one of the biggest impact guys on wins and losses on the team. So if you move him, you've you got to expect that you're going to fall. You know, you're not going to move him and continue to move upwards. And I'm okay with that sacrifice, you know, as we've talked about. But then it should come with other moves. Like if you know you're going to make, take a move that gives you some long-term assets and hurts your present, you should be doing that with other things that aren't really part of the future. I agree. Like if they're going to keep Caruso and keep the big three, like if they're going to keep the big three, I kind of feel like, well, you got to keep Caruso. If you're, if you're going to go in that direction, if you're going to say we're keeping this team as is, you can't trade Caruso because you're, you're really going to just end up tanking without getting anything in return for one of those, you know what I mean, for your efforts. I, I, I think you'd have, I think you could even argue moving Caruso could have more of an impact potentially than moving one of the, or two of the big three. Uh, he's that important. So I kind of, I guess I, I, big picture, I do agree with what you said. Are you there? Did I lose you? Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Now, um, and so. I agree. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like my opinion. I guess that's basically what you said in reaction. Do you think they're going to trade him? Uh, no, I, I don't think they'll trade anyone to, to to make their team even a teeny bit worse this year and look at the future. I just don't think that is you know, for better or worse. White. I don't think, I think that's Kobe White. The, the, what they're about. I think I think they would trade Kobe White. He's a Garpax guy. Um, I yeah, Kobe White. I could see. I could see Kobe White. Unfortunately, obviously, uh, undervalued several of Garpak's guys that you know have had success elsewhere. I think Kobe will probably fall in the same line, uh, long line of those players. Just the question is who likes Kobe White? Apparently, Phoenix has an interest. You know, I think there's a lot of teams that'd be interested in him as a six man coming off the bench, giving some offensive pop. Uh, I don't think Kobe Kobe's just been maddeningly inconsistent for the most part. I thought he had a really bad a couple bad games on this trip and uh you know but he's in a tough situation too. There's just it's too crowded of a backcourt. One of those guys has got to be moved and I think all indications point that they're gonna go with Io as opposed to Kobe. Yeah, I would maybe go with Kobe at this point, those guys. I mean they, if you view them as they're basically the same age. Kobe's a little bit younger. Uh, he, yeah. But, but it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. Uh, let's talk about your one of your great all-time arguments with our, our mutual friend, Mark K. from Australia. Very oh interesting back and forth that you guys had last week. And I'd like to start out with your original tweet. I'll read it as, uh, as you said it three days ago. 
Hey, good thing he blew up the roster. Well, the first tweet was Casey Johnson. You highlighted this one, which was Karnasovas blew up the roster he inherited. Only Zach Levine and Kobe White remain. Um, would he do it again? Blah, blah, blah. That's an article that, that I haven't read yet from KC. You responded to that, highlighted it with these following comments. Good thing you blew up the roster. It sucked to have your lineup be Wendell Carter Jr. at center, Laurie at power forward, uh, Franz Wagner, I'm assuming. Uh, you're not referring to Mo at small forward. Uh, Zach at shooting guard and Halliburton at point guard. And you point out, you know, Gar is taking the Iowa State guy, which is a really good point. I can hear the collective groan from the fan base as they announce they're taking Halliburton to Iowa State. And, you know, six months later, we're all thrilled. Bench, Kobe, and Io. All your future picks plus an extra for Thad. Thank God for Acme. Visionaries. And, you know, Mark immediately jumped on it saying that there are so many assumptions. Um, so many assumptions here. How did he put it? Let me read this. So many assumptions and problems with this fictitious scenario. They don't even know where to start. Let's get your comment commentary on it. I guess in general, your 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 general opinion on the back and forth, which I thought you won handily. And what well, you guys were on some podcast together. You don't remember this? I'm not living in an imaginary world because I remember I was doing yard work listening to it, and Mark was trying to argue, give a I think a C or B rating to Gar Pax, or Paxson's work following the, the disaster of the post-Jordan Kraus era and gave it like a B or C, and you were like, are you insane? Do <laughs> you remember this? Am I imagining Yeah, yeah, that was, re- that was the rebuildable. You were right. Exactly. What would people act like you weren't on that together? You guys were on that show together. we got to find it somewhere. Very entertaining. And this was your second best beatdown since that one, I would say. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think it was such a beatdown. Like, are you kidding? I, yeah, no, I, I wasn't. There was nothing too crazy there. I, I think like Mark was was kind of fair in saying like, hey, there's a lot of assumptions here, and yeah, there are. There was a lot of assumptions. It was a little bit tongue in cheek. I think the fact that I brought up Gar would have drafted Halliburton, even though I think absolutely it was true. Like, can you imagine a more Gar Pax guy than Halliburton? Like, it's hard to even come up with one in your head. Like, like one, <laughs> it'd be like all over the Iowa State guy, and then two. Like, he, he just was their type of player. Like, he's just, like, their type of guy. So, but whatever, ignoring that, I think the problem was that I brought in the previous regime, and then that just, like, triggers all these people who just still have nightmares um, about the, the previous regime. And so then they start arguing about all this stuff that, like, I really wasn't intending. The, the, the gist of it was, though, like, oh, we blew, blew up this roster. Well, look at it. Does that look like such a great thing right now? Like, it really doesn't. Like, if you just basically had, a, like, a monkey in charge for the last three years and you, you drafted, like, the best available player based on ESPN's mock draft each year and you just extended the guys who were here on market value contracts, like, basically, like, someone who's a complete idiot doing the bare minimum of just, like, Google research for five minutes and making his moves based on that, you'd have a better team in a better position right now than we do. Like, we have guys who have actively made things worse. So that was like really the gist of it. Bringing our packs in, like I, I probably do it with ruffle people's feathers. I just sometimes enjoy that. But but that's really the thing is it's like we, we brought in guys who actively made it worse. That's that's the problem we're at. Well, yeah, and Mark brought up a good point. Well, hey, Garpax hired Jim Boylan, which I've always maintained that was a fireable offense. It was time to go yeah. after that Agreed. decision. 
We all agreed on that. The, the and if, at least if they fired him. You know, if they, if they came in and were like, this dude sucks and like fired him and admitted their mistake there, then maybe I could have like gotten on board or doing something else. But but they didn't. They kept him too, right? Like it was just it was insane. It was insane that they didn't want to get rid of Boylan. And that they even fought to keep him when Acme came in. Like I'm like, what are you even doing? Like like the, the players hate this guy. It reminded me a lot of Vinny Del Negro in his brief time as coach here. Like all the players, like I, I, I like interviewed players, and they were just like they they hated that guy. You know, they hated that guy. They thought he was a total boob. And I, I mean, like I interviewed Del Negro, and like who knows, maybe he just didn't want to say anything to the media. But like he just, just struck me like he had no idea what he was talking about, which I assume cannot be true. You know, based that he played in the NBA for so long, has been around basketball his whole life. But like he did not communicate at all well in a in a way you would expect a coach to do so. Like. Like, Donovan, say whatever you want about him. Like, you, you listen to Donovan, you're like, yeah, this guy knows, like, just for, like, two seconds. Like, I get ton about basketball. And I know you're not the biggest Thibodeau fan, but same thing. You listen to Thibodeau for, like, five minutes, and, like, you don't question whether he knows what he's doing, right? Absolutely. Like, you might question his rotations, you might, whatever, but you don't question whether he knows what he's doing. And, you he know, you look basketball. <laughs> They both know basketball. Immensely. Yeah, you look, at, you look at Boylan, and you're like, I don't know. Like, this guy's just... just like, he's a horse's yeah. ass who thinks yeah. he's, you know, he's like a, a poor man's Bobby Knight who just was... Yeah, he's just a coach out of the 90s. That's yeah. what he is. He's a coach out of the 90s. You know, like he's just not... Yeah. Lifetime assistant who got an opportunity, who couldn't communicate. Part of the job is being able to communicate, number one, with your fan base through the press. He was a miserable failure at that. And that's something where I think Donovan absolutely shines. I love his postgame, uh, you know, pressers. I think he does an excellent job in that. And then also you got to communicate to your players. You got to get your players to believe in you. And he and he flunked out on that too, just horribly. So you know, Boylan was a terrible choice. I agree. They should have been fired for that one. It was it was time. It was a long long period of time. Their problem, though, however, never was talent acquiring drafting good talent. Their draft classes. You know, if when Laurie Markkinen makes the All Star team this year. They're going to have all-stars, drafted all-stars, and Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Luol Dang, Laurie Markkinen. You're not going to find many GMs that have drafted five, six, you know, all-stars. And I know, well, they were there for a long time. Yes, they were there for a long time because they drafted Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, Luol Dang, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, these players that we all love and we all worship. Yes. They did an excellent job. Even players like Nocioni and guys in the second round that were really good acquisitions, you know, they, the Taj Gibsons, they did an excellent job in drafting talent, period. They did. And, you know, for dummies like, I hate to say it, but Nick Friedle was a big reason why the whole fan base turned on him because the ESPN 1000 has immense power. All he did was talk about um, 2012 when they drafted, when Derrick Rose was in the hospital and the Bulls took a shot on Teague, Marquise Teague, with a 29th pick, I believe. And they said, well, they should have drafted, you know, it was a huge mistake. They should have taken Green. Golden State had the next pick after the Bulls, and guess what? They didn't take Green. Nobody believed Green was a first-rounder. So you can pound sand with that, but yet he got on the airways and repeated it year in, year out, and just left the uninformed and less passionate about the team uh, standing there with the impression that these guys were incompetent when it wasn't true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get back in the guard packs. There's no, no point. No, They're gone. Like, not. whatever. Like, I, I I think generally that the overall fan base criminally underrates them, but I also think it doesn't matter. 
Maybe what I would say, if I want to say one thing about them, which I just said I wouldn't, and now I'm going to anyway, is you know the Bulls aren't going to pay the luxury tax. So another fight I just got in with Mark on Twitter when talk about Mark and his arguments. And so when you look at someone, a, a GM group, Garpax GM'd like a small market team that knew they would never pay the luxury tax. You know, they moved off guys really quickly. Like count the number of guys they moved for first round picks. Miritich, Tyrus, uh, Cephalosha, um, just like a, a slew of them. Eddie Curry. You know, they moved off of they moved off of guys like frequently, and they knew kind of like what their limitations were salary wise. When they acquired Ben Wallace, they knew they had to get rid of Tyson Chandler, and even though that was a disaster of an exchange, like they understood like we need to keep moving forward to stay away from the luxury tax. And they constantly found ways that were creative to turn the roster to avoid ever getting into financial trouble and, and to try to keep, you know, a pipeline of young talent in. You know, so they move off young talent to, to bring in more young talent. And they, they kept a pipeline of like, you know, average to above average teams, you know, with, without ever getting into salary trouble. And it's like a, a way you have to operate when you're not willing to pay the tax, which sadly is just where the bulls are. And when they finally landed a superstar in the draft, Derek Rose, they were like the best record in the league two years in a row up until Rose got hurt. And they, sh- they showed that they could, could build around a star when they actually finally had the good luck to have him. And so, you know, what has that be done? They, they now come in, they pushed up to the tax, they've traded all their future assets to do it. You know, now we're like sitting there like, what are we going to do? We're in 10th place. We don't have a lot of anything in the future. We can't afford to give up anything now or we'll get even worse. And, and so I, I just think like that group is not a good fit for office. Like maybe they'd be phenomenal if they were at the Lakers and they could just use all their money to make things happen and they're great negotiators and whatever. But the Bulls aren't that. They're not a team that can just, you know, use all their assets to make things happen. They're not going to pay the tax. They have to be treated like a small market team and you need a certain mentality of always getting value, always working the margins, you know, always trying to keep an eye on the future and the, the salary cap and all this other stuff to be successful with our ownership group, which, you know, to Mark's point in our argument, like our ownership group sucks that they, they're like that, but they are like that. And so your, your general manager has to actually account for that in all of his planning. And I think that's really maybe one of the big areas that Acme fails. Yeah, and I could see that where I really saw that come to play was in the in the trade, Laurie Markkinen, the Laurie Markkinen trade. When Larry Nance Jr. was clearly a better fit than Derek Jones Jr., I like Derek Jones Jr. I think, you know, to get a conditional first rounder from Portland and Derek Jones Jr. wasn't a terrible haul for Laurie Markinen at, at that time. But the fact is, if they could have got Larry Nance Jr., he would have been a much better answer for this team and a much better fit. And I think they purposely did not do that. For the salary cap or financial potential fi- uh, financial uh, ramifications for that move, and so you're right, Doug. Everything you just said there is absolutely right. If if you're going to make these big swings, you better make sure you have buy-in from the front office uh, and act like you know you're really going to you, you, not only that you have buy-in, but you're going to have commensurate resources put in place. To make those moves. And maybe it's true. Maybe they were misled. I don't know. I doubt it, though. I doubt it, though. No. I think I think they came in, honestly, they came in with an approach. I can, I can imagine the interview process. Like, Acme is interviewing, or, or Karnaschovas is interviewing with the job. I guess Everett is not there yet. 
And he's just like, I'm going to get you back to the playoffs. I'm going to get you the first round. Hell or high water. And it could happen. I'm going to get you back to the playoffs. And then I think they just made every every move they needed to in, in order to try to upgrade the short-term talent to make that happen. And then they succeeded last year, right? We got back to the playoffs. And we're, you know, pretty good chance we'll make the playoffs this year, I think. Uh, you know, like, not, not a given, but I think pretty good chance we'll make the playoffs this year. You know, but... But it's not like a direction to go anywhere. And, and you know, that's like, for me, is as like a, a long-term fan of, of trying to build something sustainable and powerful. I'm not happy with that. Now, maybe I'll be proven wrong. You know, they'll maybe be able to pull out some moves that change that narrative. You know, I, I certainly hope so. But that, that what is what concerns me about it more is I, I look at, like, I don't feel like our foundation is very solid and, that, you know, that just makes me maybe inordinately nervous. Is a, is a very maybe conservative, you know, a person in, in the way I look at these types of things, maybe I'm just, just way too risk averse. But that, that's really ultimately what, what bothers me so much about these guys is it's just like we're playing fast and loose and we're doing this and that. But like, you know, I just, I just don't see where it's going to go in, in a positive way in the long run. I, I brought back negative well, I, again. In the long, I, I'm not where I'm different, where I, I'm different with you is I think they're going to make a deal for, they're going to trade Kobe and like Jay Crowder. Let's just say they trade Jay, for Jay, Jay Crowder. I think immediately would help our team immensely. I think it would be a much better team um, and add a lot of the stuff I think the team's missing in terms of toughness and just a good defensive presence who can guard multiple positions. I think he's just a better fit, unfortunately, on the team right now than, than Kobe. I understand all your points. I like Kobe. I just, you know, we're kind of crowded in the backcourt. If you're going to make a commitment to Iowa, you got to make a commitment to either one. I think we're both in agreement on that. Well, you're going to make a commitment to Iowa, and I'm fine with that. Uh, so um, I think Iowa will get better. I do. So big picture, I do think the team can get can get better. Uh, I don't think it's helpless. Well, better better yeah, for this year or better for, for year, over the well, next for two three year, years. And then you know, so much depends on Lonzo, right? Like, what what where is he going to be at? And, and Lonzo is never going to play again. I mean, did you read that story? Donovan, Donovan wrote like he's nowhere near playing. I mean, that's a pretty cool. big statement for a 25-year-old that he's never going to play again. I, I just... Fine. He's never going to he's never gonna play a consistent role that you can count on at a high level. Like, I think there's a good chance he'll play in another NBA game. I don't think there's a good chance he's going to have a full, strong season you can count on yeah. again in his Well, career. if that's the case, then this team will... He was a big part of the quote-unquote you know, re, refurbished, re, rebuild. And if that's the case, then it will be a failure. But I think that's what they're kind of counting on is trying to, number one, improve the team on the margins right now, barely on the team, get into the playoffs, and then hope that another offseason will produce a healthy Lonzo Ball next year. And then you go back in with the same lineup and hope that you get magic again and improvement of Patrick Williams and Io help create a team and I don't think that's crazy. I don't think it's insane. I've seen stranger things, and Patrick Williams has had some really nice games. I, think, he's, he's, I thought that last game was – he did some things there I would not expect Patrick Williams to do. Uh, I didn't think he had in him. And I don't know. I don't think it's crazy that – I think it's unlikely. I agree with you there. But I, I'm a little bit more on the positive side than you just that I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's insane. You're you're basically playing like the the parlay here. You pick three unlikely events and if they all hit. <laughs> the Bulls will be a parlay. Fred, yep. P. That's like it's like this. 
It's bull. It's the bull's parlay. If, if Io improves and Pat improves and Lonzo stays healthy and everyone else continues as they are, then uh, this could be a, a, something really good here. <laughs> well, if Patrick Williams ends up being a, a good NBA player, that's a big jump in the right direction. Uh, yeah, I think, he, and I think he will be. You know, like I, I don't think I don't think he has star potential, but I think he's a high floor. And I think he will... Just two I things I saw in the last couple of weeks. A, the game against the Nets and then the game against Orlando. He had a bunch of threes in that fourth quarter. I just didn't think he had it in him. Let's just put it that way, and he does. You know, he's got something there. So, I'm feeling a little bit better on Patrick Williams. I think the general direction is up for him. And I always felt good about Iowa. So, I guess those two guys probably is, is the delta between me and you. You're far more negative on the, the future of the team you said you wanted to cut out seven right. minutes ago. So well, we're going to go, buddy. Topic. We're going to go. <laughs> Let's bring the bus in. It's always good talking to you, my man. i got to hit the ground running. I love you, DT. Talk to you soon. Let's go, Bulls. All right. All right. See you, Fred. Go, Bulls.